Hello, welcome and kumusta and thank you for joining me today. My name is How and I am your occupational therapist. Great. Uh, just to let you know, I am broadcasting or I'm making this podcast inside my car. So if you are hearing some uh, vehicles or some uh, uh, doors from other cars that are opening and shutting, that is because I am just in a car park and I am recording this uh, uh, podcast. Today, I would like to share with you uh, this wonderful information that I came across. And it is uh, the, the, the nine conditions. I've come across these nine conditions that will maximize the success of interdisciplinary rehabilitation teams. Great. So, there are nine conditions. And I'd read them to you one at a time. And then we'll have some discussions along the way. So the first condition is that the team should have an allegiance to a mission statement. So there you go. What does this mean? It means having a mission statement that everybody shares the same mission statement. So if the mission statement of the team is to be the best in the world, then that would be the objective of the entire team. That's wonderful, isn't it? If your mission statement is to deliver person-centered care or person-centered rehab in the least restrictive setting, then that would be the team. That would be the effort. That would be the format. That is the general identity. So having a mission statement and that everybody should be having their allegiance to it. It's just like having, uh, what's this, you swear an oath of allegiance, that you solemnly swear to perform your duties or your duty as an occupational therapist or as a member of the multidisciplinary team, trying to do the best that you can, to be the best in the world, to deliver the best care. That is because that is your mission statement. The second one, is that the team should have specifically delineated roles for each discipline. Okay, so this is the second uh, second condition. Every members of the team should have their own specific roles. Because this is a multidisciplinary team, guys. Just to let you know, it is not transdisciplinary team. Which means an occupational therapist should be doing things that are, of, of, you know, uh, an occupational therapist should do the things that occupational therapists should do. If you're there to provide occupational therapy by providing activity engagement, then that is what you do. If your team member is a physiotherapist and their responsibility is to provide physical rehabilitation or physical therapy through activities, therapeutic or exercises, specific moving and handling or specific restorative interventions, then that's what they should do. So if the physiotherapist, you see the physiotherapist giving activities like say playing basketball 
and that would be the responsibility of the OT, then there becomes an argument. Or if you see the occupational therapist giving advice about the diet, oh no, that's going to be a problem as well because you're doing a dietitian's job. Okay? There has to be a specifically delineated roles. And this is for the AHPs, the physios, the OTs, the speech therapists, the dietitians, and even the uh, chaplaincy. And mind you, the doctors are the doctors too. This is the doctors being part of the multidisciplinary team. They have their roles. They should have their roles. Consultant doctors, consultant nurses, you stick to your job. Because if you don't stick to your job, there's gonna be problem. They're just going to create some resentment. Okay, that's number two. The third one is having a balance of participation by each professional. Okay, so what does this mean? It just means that you're all working together. Nobody is doing more than the other. Again, if you do this, then you are when 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 you're working and you're doing your job and responsibility and you're not taking on the other responsibility of somebody else or another member of the multidisciplinary team, then there will not be any problem. You're going to have a balanced participation. Again, no resentment. Everybody's happy, including the patients. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Number four is agreement on, the team should have an agreement on, and implementation of the ground rules of interaction. Okay, what does that mean? It just means that if you agree to fight, you have to agree on a way to fight against each other. Yeah? Do you argue straight away during the multidisciplinarity meeting? Do you argue in front of the patient? If that's what you agree on, then that's gonna be an exciting, you know? It's exciting for the patients because they're watching the multidisciplinarity fight against each other. That's entertainment. That's for live TV. But that's not professional. That's not for your work. Okay. When you agree on the implementation of the ground rules of interaction, it means you need to be professional to one another. You need to respect one another. And if you do not agree, you need to uh, disagree in a nice manner. Because whether you like it or not, people can take things personally. Even though it's only a job, for others, when you say something against their job, against the things that they do, in a bad way, sometimes people take it as an attack on their personal uh, or on their personal self. And that means that, again, it's going to be a problem. It will just, again, create another uh, resentment. Okay. So that's the fourth one. The fifth one is having a clear and effective communication and documentation. Yes, that is very important. 
The spoken words are good during a meeting. That's good. But the written words are also very important. This means that whenever you are writing things down on the notes, it has to be accessible to all and for everybody to see so that it becomes transparent. So in the future, I will share with you one of my inventions again on how to do this. But we'll talk about this on some other time. It's a method of documentation, you know, where a multidisciplinary team can write down. Okay. So you need to have a clear, it has to be clear, no waffles, okay? It has to be effective communication, which means you can pass on the information to everybody that is effective. It means that you can communicate promptly, okay? How do you do this? Use the uh, appropriate technology. Use a very good phone. Yeah. Nowadays, there are hospitals and community centers and community units that I see that are having uh, very intelligent phones. You know, they're not the iPhones, but they are smartphones. There you go. Not intelligent phones. They're smartphones. And the smartphones, they even have this private like WhatsApp uh, platform where everybody can communicate within that and it is it is secure so you need to utilize these things okay having a if an effective communication and documentation it means that what you've discussed it needs to be transparent and it needs to be seen somewhere in the notes that is number five number six is all about having a scientific approach to patient problems. Okay? What does this mean? It means that you become scientific. It means that there is a problem. What is the solution? You give the solution. And the solution should be based on merits of science and of evidence. For example, the patient has a swelling of the uh, eh, the upper limb or the lower limb. There's edema. Okay. So what's the approach here? Oh, you can you can raise the arm. You can do Im- uh, compression. You can do elevation. Okay. You should rest. Uh, you can ice well. Icing is only, if you're, say, in critical care, I'm not going to put ice on an edematous arm because ice should be put for something that's swollen. So it's edematous because it is swollen because of an injury. And when you put in ice, there is evidence that the the, the veins and the arteries would actually vasoconstrict. So it's more that you need to do a compression or you can elevate the arm. That's scientific. For a non-pharmacological intervention. Okay? But if you're a, if, you know, from a medical perspective, I'm sure that the swelling is probably because of, a, a, you know, the albumin is probably low. Then you give them a protein or you increase the albumin. Okay? 
or maybe there is retention and you need to uh, what do you call this uh, uh, remove the the water from the system then the medics will give diuretics that's even more effective yeah if you're talking about the pharmacological intervention so you have to have a scientific approach to trying to resolve the patient's problems okay all right so again no voodoo voodoo okay no quack doctors although sometimes you know doing some magical stuff hypnosis like that to calm a patient down you know There is uh, some science that some patients can be suggestible. Um, excuse me, you know. Patients can be suggestible. Uh, so you use that because there is also a scientific merit to it. Okay? It may be strong, it may be not, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah? Okay, but you can see the clear cause and effect. Just remember, when it comes to the mind, the mind can do so many things. The placebo effect, yeah? You can even give them a wonderful uh, uh, placebo massage and they think you're working on the muscles and they feel better, yeah? Okay, so it depends. But mind you, giving a massage is not giving a massage. You're providing proprioceptive stimulation and there are scientific merits to that. Okay, so there you go. Scientific approach to patient problems. The seventh one is called a having a clearly defined and measurable goals. Yeah, when you set objectives and targets, you want to make sure that you know what you're trying to set. Basically, when you set goals, you're just trying to resolve the problems. Yeah. For example, eh, I mean, this is this is a, a multidisciplinary team, okay? So if the target is, you know, the uh, the BP, the blood pressure should be 120 over 80, then that can be addressed. That that's measurable. That's you know, that's something you can aim for. You do that by again, medics will do that by the proper ionotropes or proper uh, heart medication. They can do that. Okay, so that is having a clearly defined measurable goals. Now for, uh, say, functional mobility, physios can aim that the person should be able to walk at least five meters by the end of the day or by the end of three days. Then that's good. That is measurable. Now from an occupational therapist, what would be the measurable target for dressing? You either do or you don't. So the patient will dress independently or the patient will dress with minimum assistance or the patient would dress with setup assistance. These are quantifications of performance. And that is fine. Now, what else? Oh, here's one. Engagement. This is very difficult. That's one challenge for occupational therapists. When you are setting goals... That involves a patient engaging. So all you can say is patient will engage. 
for this amount of time. So you can measure it by time. Okay? Or the patient will engage every day. There you go. So having a clearly defined measurable goals. That is the number seven condition. Now, the eighth condition is having a working knowledge of the group process. How does this work? It just means that whenever you are in a group or you're in a meeting, you don't hug the meeting. You don't speak on your own. It means that you take turns. It means you don't uh, butt in. You can raise your hands if it is a meeting that is uh, uh, online. So that's, that's one way of doing it. Uh, there has to be an opening in terms of a group. There has to be an opening. And then the body of the discussion, the statement of the problem of the group, the body of discussion during the multidisciplinary team, then you have your discussion. Everybody has their turn. And then in the end, you can have a joint conclusion. You can have an understanding or you can have a consensus about the solution at the end of it. And then you can have a closure in the end. So everybody should know these things. The challenge is sometimes when it comes to work, people just land in the job. They don't know how they do this and everybody just fakes it. Okay? But hopefully with this, you know a little bit better. Okay. And then the last condition is that there should be an expedient procedure for coming to consensus and decision-making. So when you're in a multidisciplinarity meeting, here is the problem. Okay, you have a time frame. You sit down together. You have a discussion together. These are the problems. These are my concerns from individual uh, professions. And then at the end, as I said earlier on, you need to close it. Or you can allow time. Say, this is the problem. Share it with everybody else. Okay, the solution will come up on the next meeting. But you need to agree. Okay? So there you go, guys. These are the nine conditions that maximizes the success of an interdisciplinary rehabilitation team. Okay, you need to have, number one, allegiance to a mission statement. Secondly, you need to have specifically delineated roles for each discipline. Third one, there should be a balanced participation of each professional. The fourth one, you need to have an agreement and implementation on the ground rules of interaction. The fifth one, you need to have a clear and effective communication and documentation. Sixth, you need to be a scientific in approaching problems. The seventh one, you need to work, know how to clearly define or set goals. And then eight, you need to know how to work in a group or know the group process. And lastly, you need to be able to decide in an expedient way. So there you go, guys. I hope you learned a little something today. I am now just uh, sharing with you a very interesting topic, a very interesting uh, uh, information that I have come across with, we can consider this talk 
a relevant information involving occupational therapy for riot. Until next time, bye!